4. If, uh, if you were listening to Pastor Laramie pray, I don't know if you caught it or not, but he said that I was going to come up here and sing. I'm not going to be singing up here today. I actually want y'all to stay here, so. Um, we're, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 is what we're going to look at today. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, and I'll, you know, for this month or so that we're going to stay in this passage, I'm going to read the same passage every, every Sunday, uh, but I'll be focusing on one verse at a time as we go along. Uh, so today our verse is going to be uh, verse 7, but let's go ahead and read all the way through uh, verse 11. It says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. So today uh, we're going to talk about endings. Or we're going to talk about the end. Uh, that's why we are prompted to pray here. Uh, Peter says that the end of all things is near. So then in verse 7, he's, he's telling us we need to take time to pray. Uh, when we talk about something that is ending, it's, it's a somber moment. Usually an ending is a time of reflection or it's time to say goodbye. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to uh, certain people within a certain age in this crowd, but before, um, before technology has advanced and before social media has, has gotten here, uh, I know that some of you uh, will remember a time when you used to go and actually have a family trip to go visit somebody. Uh, and, and two, three hours seemed like it was a long trip. That was a long way away. And you and your family usually did that as your family tripped, and you, you went over there, you visit them, you, you stay there the whole week. And then when it came time to leave, that was a difficult time. It was difficult saying goodbye because you knew that it may be a year or even longer before you saw this person again. And as the time went on, I remember as a child not wanting to say goodbye to my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, all my family when, whenever it was time to leave, um, because it was a somber moment. It, it, was, it was saying goodbye, and, and that wasn't as much fun. Well, now we have social media, and saying goodbye is not as hard because it's not really goodbye. We still stay connected with a lot of people that we love and care about. I'm also going through this at work, this being my, my last week at work, and, um, and the way things have ended at work, where uh, the job was terminated, and, and you've been working with these people for years and years and years, and you see them all the time, and now everyone's having to turn everything in, and everyone's having to say goodbye. The end is, like I said, it's, it's a somber moment, and sometimes it causes us to reflect. Uh, sometimes it causes sadness within us, all these different emotions. But before we actually get to the end of something, there is something else. And that is the knowledge that the end is approaching. Because the end and then the approaching end, 
Those are two different things. The actual end, that's final. After the end is here, it's final. Nothing can be changed. It, it, it's, it's, it's terminated. But the approaching end, the approaching end still allows for things to be done. And when we speak about the approaching end, I find that there are usually two types of people. There are people, there are those who, who they end up not caring because the end is coming. They know the end is coming. We're on our way. There's nothing you can do to stop it. So then therefore they say, it doesn't matter. It's all going to end. So I can't do anything anyway. And then there are those who feel a sense of urgency to get things done before the end comes. I've seen these two attitudes played out in many different areas of life, but especially at the end of a person's life. I've seen people who find out that their end is coming, it's near, and they get bitter and they stop caring. But I've also seen those who gain a sense of urgency and they live a full life to the end. You see, in our passage today, Peter is speaking about the end, not only of of life, our personal life, or rather when when he's writing to uh, the church there, he's not talking about just their individual lives, but rather he's talking about the end of all things. And he's speaking to a group of early Christians who were experiencing the end of their former way of life. And also Christians who were facing an uncertain future. And to them, he says, the end of all things is at hand. So therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Why? So that you can pray. I hope as we read that passage and we think about it, that we see the importance of Christians being ready to pray. Now, my sermon is from a different perspective here on prayer, because usually, you know, when we pray or when we when we preach or when someone preaches about praying, it's about the importance of prayer. And how the Bible tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. But this sermon is not exactly about that. That is true. And we need to pray without ceasing. But this is about getting being ready to pray. That there is an urgency in this life to be ready to pray. Because why? We are living in uncertain times. And because our calling is difficult and because the end is approaching. So since Christians have been called to such a great and difficult ministry, we must always be ready to pray. That's our sermon summary today. Read that since Christians have been called to such a great and difficult ministry, we must always be ready to pray. I'm always fascinated when I see the the, the, the word or the, the phrase the end of all things or the end times. I think everyone is. And when I see it here, I ask what, what exactly is Peter talking about here? He says, the end of all things is at hand. Well, when you look at the phrase, the end, it means a point of time marking the end of a duration. P. 
Peter says that the end of all things is at hand. And when he says the end of all things, he means the end of everything is near. And for our benefit, Peter actually elaborates more on this topic in his next letter, in Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. He says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So when Peter says the end of all things is near, this is exactly what he's talking about. We need to know that he's not speaking of their individual lives. He's not speaking of a certain era. He's not speaking to just that certain group. But this is, this is words of wisdom for the church as the church moves forward. We must move forward knowing that the end of all things is near. And the funny thing is, is that we all know that Everything in this physical world will come to an end, but we don't think about it very often. I know when we're making our daily decisions, we're not making them with the background of the world might end today. Right? Because we, we, we plan. We plan for 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Some of us are planning for 50 years down the road when we retire. Without, without in mind that the end is always near. Keeping the approaching end in mind is difficult for man because man has eternity placed in his heart. We're always thinking about tomorrow. We're always thinking about advancing. We're always thinking about the next thing we're going to do, the next goal we have. We don't think about the end very often. And when we do think about the end, and we think about the end publicly in front of people, it's looked at as negative. But we are told to be people of today. We are told to focus on today. And we are told to serve, to love, to care, to do everything as it were our last day. We know that all things come to an end, but we don't like to think about it until we're forced to. There's two things in life that make us focus on the end of something. Um, and, and these are two things that I'm going through right now. Number one is your children growing up. That, that's the end of something, right? Because there is some point in life when, in, when, when they are just no longer children. You, you see it in them. But also... There is the approaching end where you see it happening slowly every single day. They're growing, they're growing, they're growing, and they do things less like children and more like adults. And I know when they're, when they're babies, when they're three, four, five years old, we don't want to talk about the end. But as the end approaches, we're forced to deal with it. 
Now, something else is growing older. I remember when I felt like time was, was, was on my side. I remember that no matter where I went, I was one of the youngest guys in the group. I remember when I would be able to work out and not pay for it a week later. I remember all those things, and now that I'm growing older, I'm, 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 forced, I'm forced to deal with it. We must remember that time is headed somewhere. I told my wife yesterday, we had a really busy day yesterday. We woke up, went to a couple of parties, uh, came back home, played with the kids outside, ate dinner, and by the time I knew it, it was 10 o'clock at night, and I felt like I just woke up. And I was like, where did today go? Where did it go? Well, we must know that the hours that pass by, they just don't go away. The hours are, that are ahead of us, they're not just there, not going anywhere, but they're headed somewhere, and time has a keeper. Time has a keeper and a destination. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. If time has a destination, that means it has an end. If time has a keeper, that means someone is directing it to that end. That is the Lord. That is part of his sovereignty. That's what he does in his providence. The Lord did not create things and then lay his hands off and say, well, whatever will be, will be. The Bible tells us something differently. The Bible tells us that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, it says, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. God is at work Every day. He is the keeper of time and he is the one who determines its end. And Peter warns us that we are living in these last days. Well, so much time has gone on since Peter wrote these words down. But the Bible consistently teaches us that we are living in the last days. And that's why there needs to be a sense of urgency in our lives. I think the problem that we have many times, and when I say we, I mean Christians, that we Christians have is that we settle in, we've settled in into this world. We're, we're told by the word of God that this is not our home, but yet we have made it our home. We've gotten comfortable. We, we've snuggled in into our, our, our big lazy boy chair and we're just doing life. And we're making plans for the future, and we're making these plans way down the road. And in doing so, we're not even aware that we're being prideful. That in our hearts, we're saying, we're going to live this long, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we haven't even consulted God in the matter. We need to have a sense of urgency not to get things done for ourselves, but to do things for the Lord. Because there's, a, there's always an urgency to get things done for ourselves. 
I know that for sure. We're, we're wanting to make as much money as we can. Why? Because we're looking down the road so that we can store up some money so that we can live. And there's a sense of urgency there. We put 6%, 8%, 12%, 15% in our 401k. Why? Because we know, we know one day I'm going to need this. But what are we putting into the work that the Lord has given us? Because our lives aren't about the jobs that we have. Our lives are about the calling that God has given us on this earth. This is not our home. Rather, this is our place of work. The Lord has put us to work here. And the work that we have to do is to spread the gospel. In fact, the end has been, when we talk about the last days and we talk about urgency, we must know that the end has been near since the ascension and glorification of the Son to the right hand of the Father. And we do not know when the Son will return. We only know that he will come like a thief in the night. So the Bible warns us to keep watch and to be ready. In these last days, we must not be without a sense of duty, and we must know that we have not been left alone. That's where we come to what it is that we are supposed to be doing in these times, what it is that we're supposed to have a sense of urgency in our hearts for. Well, that comes in Matthew chapter 28, where God gives us a commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You see, when we, we, we all, we know the Great Commission. We, we've heard it so many different times. But how many of us look to this as what we're supposed to be doing? This is what we're supposed to be urgent about. Jesus has given us his spirit as a helper. He has given us his word as a guide. He has commissioned us with a ministry. That is the great commission. And above all else, his constant presence remains with us. We have something to do. And that's why we must always be ready to pray. And in order for us to be ready to pray, Peter tells us we must be self-controlled and sober-minded. When I sit here and I think about Peter's words and I'm thinking about who received them, I think about a group of Christians that were suffering difficult, difficult persecution. And they were enduring very hard times. Persecution and hard times that, that we couldn't even think about dealing with. That's what these people were dealing with. And in the midst of all that, it wasn't like Peter was saying, hey, by the way, I know you have a hard life. I know things are very difficult for you. So God is just saying you don't have to do the things he commissioned you to do. Just sit down, relax, and just let life go by. 
that wasn't his words, in the, in the midst of their difficulty, in the midst of their persecution, they were commissioned by Christ to reach the lost. That hasn't changed for you and I. You see, it doesn't matter if we filled up our schedule ourselves to where we cannot serve God. You are still charged to, you are still commissioned to reach the lost. It doesn't matter if, if, if you have taken, put priority on other things. God has not excused you from reaching the lost. Who we are supposed to be about what we do, all that centers around that commission that God has given us to do ministry here on earth, to share the good news of Christ, and to know that he is with us to the end of the age. See, from the beginning, Christians have been commissioned to a difficult ministry. When we really look at the Great Commission, and we take a very honest look at what God is telling us to do in the Great Commission, it is a difficult thing. It is not an easy thing. It is a difficult thing. In fact, I'd like to say that it is beyond us. Because without the Spirit and without the help of God, there's no way that we could do it. So it's a difficult ministry, and there's, there needs to be a search of urgency to execute that ministry because we we're going towards the approaching end we don't know when it's coming but we know we're on the way and that is why we are told to pray continually as God's people we have the weapon of prayer at our disposal when we need it but we must be ready I was watching a very fascinating video of a cop who police officer who pulled over someone and this young woman pulled this man over it was in it was in California she pulled him over and she was on the passenger side of the vehicle uh, the gentleman was uh, not responding to her orders as she wished and he just looked very shady and she handled everything just perfectly she started on the passenger side he wasn't doing what she was telling him telling him to do he started pulling his hands down towards his leg she told him get your hands away from your leg he kept on doing it. So she went around the other side, put herself in a better position. She went in to talk to him. And as soon as she poked her head in, pop. And if you're watching the video, it, the, 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 the gun going off, firing off, it startles you. Because that's how fast it happened. But this, this woman, this young woman jumped out of the way. She grabbed her weapon and discharged it on him. She lived, he didn't. And the one thing I thought was, how in the world can someone be so calm? She went to the floor, and in the midst of all this, she said, shots fired. And she wasn't like, sometimes you watch those videos, and, and I don't blame those guys or girls, but they're like, shots fired! You know, like, I can't believe this is happening. No, she didn't even do that. She just rolled over, calmly says, shots fired, and then all of a sudden, she was unloading her pistol. And I just thought, wow. How was she able to do that? Well, through a lot of training, through being ready, 
through being aware of the situation, to always know that, hey, that guy may be trying to kill me. I think about that example for us, are we, we have this weapon of prayer that we use against the enemy. We have this, this, this tool, this wonderful thing, this blessing of prayer, but are we always ready to use it? Because for some people, I think prayer is their last resort. Honestly, I really do think. I think that pride builds up in our hearts a lot of times, and we want to figure things out first. There's something that comes along in our lives, and we say, well, hold on, Not, don't panic, everybody, but just give me some time, and I'm going to figure this out, okay? I'm going to figure this out, and everything's going to be okay. And, and so we go to work trying to figure out how we're going to fix this problem in our lives. We go to work trying to figure out how we, we, we go to work in our minds trying to figure out how we're going to fix our kids, how we're going to fix our marriage, how we're going to fix our job, how we're going to fix the sin that we have inside of us. Well, we're not equipped to fix anything. And if we're the ones who are trying to go at it with our own power, we're going to realize real quick. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. Or rather, it's by the power of the Lord that things are done. So our responsibility, our responsibility in the whole thing is to be ready. When something happens in our lives, are we ready to take it to the Lord in prayer? As I said before, the Great Commission is not for those who are weak at heart. In fact, it is beyond our abilities, and that's why we need God's help. We are commissioned in the power of his authority and are promised with his presence. Let me tell you something. If we have been commissioned with something that is so difficult, then we must be alert and ready to seek God's counsel at all times. Because the Great Commission is not just for someone we don't know, what the Great Commission is basically telling us is that we need to preach the gospel. And those who receive the gospel, we need to assimilate them into the church. And once we get them in the church, we are to teach them the Bible. And we are to have life with them, and then we are to help them grow. See, it's not just people we don't know, but the Great Commission was also for dads to give the gospel to their kids. It was for uncles to give their gospel to their nieces, grandparents to their grandchildren, co-worker to their boss. It goes on and on and on. And if we have been charged with the Great Commission and this task is beyond us, we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded. When you look at those two words, to be self-controlled means to be prudent, with focus on control, to be responsible, sensible, to keep one's head. And when you look at sober-minded, well, it means to stay away, be free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness, to be free from ex access or excess, rather, 
rashness, or confusion. We must be self-controlled and sober-minded because we're prone to self-indulgence and excess. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's the words of our Lord to Peter and the, the disciples. And this is a perfect example of that. This was, it, was a coming, it was the end of the ministry of Jesus, of Jesus' ministry here on earth. It was coming to an end, and he told them, watch and pray. And yet they could not watch and pray. They fell asleep every time Jesus came back, said, wake up, watch and pray. See, the Spirit is indeed, indeed willing, but we must understand that we are fighting against the weak flesh. And we're still fighting against it because even after our hearts have been changed, we are tempted with sinful desires, with wasting time, and with uh, going after our own pleasures. How many in churches today are enslaved? I'm not just talking about, I mean, because let me preface this with saying, I know we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And that we all deal with indwelling sin. But how many in the church, in church today are enslaved by lust, uncontrolled anger, idolatry, coveting? You can go on and on. They're enslaved by these things. Also, when I speak about the church, how many waste time? Time and time and time. In the United States, I was looking at the Nielsen report. And in the United States, adults, it says in the United States, adults are watching five hours and four minutes of television per day on average. That comes out to almost a full-time job by the end of the week. Also looking at the Nielsen Report, it says that in the U.S., adults spend three hours and 48 minutes a day on either computers, laptops, or smartphones. Or excuse me, computers, tablets, or smartphones. I I guarantee the majority of that is on smartphones. You see, we are tempted every day to waste time. Every day to be idle. But the thing is, is that when we're idle, when we're not busy doing what we are called to do, when we're not doing the Lord's work, we're not helping the church, we're not edifying people, when we're not doing those things, we're doing things for ourselves. And and, and believe me, I'm, I'm not saying... TV in itself is evil. Your smartphone in itself is evil. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that idleness is evil. Because when we are idle for that long, not doing what we're supposed to be doing, essentially what we're doing is that we're worshiping ourselves. Ourselves. 
And it doesn't say in God's word to watch TV 40 hours a week. To stay on your smartphone all week long. Rather, it says to reach the lost. I like what Matthew Henry says about it. He says the nature of a Christian's work, which is high work and hard work, the goodness of the master and the excellence of the reward, all require that our endeavors should be serious and earnest. And in all the duties and service of life, we should aim at the glory of God as our chief end. I think we as Christians, we need a sermon like this from time to time. Because I think we settle in again, we get comfortable. We stop forgetting about what we're supposed to be doing. Peter says we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded so that we can always be ready. Looking out my front porch the other day, and I noticed I need to do some cleaning. There's a bunch of spider webs everywhere. I need to get a broom, and I need to get those spider webs off. And as I look, I also have a window where, you know, two windows on the side of the door. You can kind of see what's going on outside, and spiders love to make a web right in front of those windows. One day I was passing by, and there was this insect who I saw it fly into the, the, the web got tangled up in there I don't even think there was a spider anymore on that web but that insect just sat there tangled up and I started to think how that's a picture of us sometimes how sin in all forms sin tangles us up and it keeps us from doing what it is that we are called Listen to Jesus' words in Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times. In other words, be ready. Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I think we have great responsibility in being ready to pray, to keeping our head, to be self controlled, to be sober minded, knowing knowing that this life is not about our, only our pleasures, it's not about us, it's not, about, it's not our home. We shouldn't settle in here, but rather that we have work to do. God has commissioned the Christian with a difficult calling. And this calling, it comes with a great sacrifice for all Christians, at least it should be. Because when we look at this calling, the Great Commission, and we see what people have given. Some have given their lives for it. Some have given all their possessions for it. Some have given their time. Some have given their work. Some have given their reputation. Some have given their freedom. We're called to do that. All individually, we all have our different calling and what we must give, what we must do, but we are called to do something 
that requires sacrifice. And when we do, we follow the footsteps of Christ, our Savior, because we suffer for doing good, and we entrust our lives and our circumstances to God. But see, we don't do this without any help. We do this knowing that we go in the power of his authority and in the protection of his constant presence. So my friends, my brothers and sisters, I tell you and I ask you today to be self-controlled and sober-minded so that you can always be ready to pray. Father, we give you thanks for this sermon today. I give you thanks for helping me in communicating your truths. I pray for your forgiveness, Father, if I have misspoken in any way. I pray that you continue to sanctify me in my preaching, to help me to become more like Christ in every area of my life, and including my preaching. Father, I pray that your word We know that your word does not return to you void, but it always fulfills its purpose. It it does this because of the work of the Spirit, his special work that he does in our hearts. I pray that your Spirit edifies those who are here today to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the reason of prayer. Help us to remember that We are not the answer to everything, but rather we must go to you in prayer. That goes for the the smallest decision we make in life to, of course, the, the biggest. Help us to be always ready to pray. So when that our life has fallen apart, we can stand trusting you, knowing that our situation, our circumstance, Our storm is not bigger than you. Father, thank you for giving us prayer. It is such a wonderful blessing that we can speak to you. And it's not because we are good people. It's not because of anything we've done. But the only reason that we can speak to you is because we go through Christ. He is our high priest and he is interceding on our behalf. Without him, we would be lost. And we thank you, Lord, for your service to us and for your ministry of intercession. Help us to remember that we must be people of prayer. And we must pray without ceasing, but we must also be ready to pray. Father, we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.